Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas Podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada. I'm a perimenopausal mama to my toddler named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed. I'm a naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Alberta. And I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl, Frankie. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. I have a repeat guest, Christina Tahosas here, and she was on a previous episode, episode 92, all about love-led nourishment and the importance of eating live food. So we'll definitely link to that. But today we're going to be talking about burnout. You know, is burnout inevitable in perimenopause? We're going to talk about ways to prevent burnout, to nourish our bodies, and to manage and deal and prevent some of the symptoms too. So I think you're going to love this episode. I always love talking with Christina. And I'll first um, introduce her. So Christina Tohoses is a holistic nutritionist and owner of Thrive Nutrition Practice, a global online wellness business focused on building physical and mental health resilience to stress through a nutritional approach she calls love-led nourishment. A former corporate banker, Christina turned to nutrition to help herself heal from chronic allergies and adrenal fatigue. Over the years, she's helped clients with high stress profiles improve sleep, immunity, and energy levels, relieve irritable bowel symptoms, and reverse high blood pressure, all through her in-depth knowledge about how to use food therapeutically. In 2017, she shared her her nutritional strategy, Sleep Love Poop, on the TEDx stage as part of the TED Women's Global Conference. She uses the themes of Sleep Love Poop to help her clients both in private consultation and through her group programs, which she runs several times a year. So welcome back, Christina. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. I really love my conversations with you as well, Dr. Lisa. Oh, thanks. Me too. Um, You know, you had that unique opportunity to do the TEDx talk. Did you want to share a little bit about what that experience was like and kind of what came out after that? Yeah, um, sure. So I I did that TEDx talk in 2017. um, And I, I did it in Hong Kong. I was living in Hong Kong at the time. And um, the TEDx chapter, sort of the women's uh, chapter there, uh, started doing these TEDx talks. And and I applied. I applied because I had this, I thought I had this brilliant and innovative approach to nutrition called sleep, love, poop that I was really excited to, to share with the world. And it was an incredible opportunity to be part of Um, well, first of all, to be part of like a group of women who were really passionate about, um, sharing, you know, ideas that could potentially improve their quality of life. Um, and to be part of a, a a group of women who just really supported one another during that time. It was a really, really stressful time. Um, and, uh, and I, I remember just kind of when the, when the, when this, when the day started, like when the event started, I actually couldn't walk into the room until it was my turn to talk because my stomach was in knots and I just couldn't like, oh, I was so nervous. So I just kind of like took myself off to like a cupboard, like a closet where I could just breathe and just kind of like mentally prepare myself for, for going on stage. It was, um, but then I went on stage and it was like lights, camera action, you know, and, and it all went, it all went to plan. So, um, so I'm really, I'm really grateful to have had that opportunity. <laughs> amazing. I think, yeah, you pushed, you worked through the fear, you used it and you pulled off an amazing talk. I watched that. So we'll link to that as well, because I think um, our listeners are going to love that approach to health. Um, so we'll yeah. definitely link to that. And then you mentioned, yeah, living in Hong Kong um, mm-hmm. and being under a lot of stress. Have you mm-hmm. suffered from burnout yourself? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, nutrition is my second career, right? Like I was in banking for a really long time and um, I really loved my banking career. Um, and it, it, it it's funny because I, I, I thought that only people who didn't like their jobs got burned out, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it turns out that you can actually love your job <laughs> and still experience burnout or put yourself in a position where you are burnt out. And so I'm so, um, yeah, I'm so conscious now of like, there were so many warning signs that I could have paid attention to that I didn't because I was so busy being busy. <laughs> Right. Um, and, and I, and I find that actually, whether you like your job or whether you don't like your job, that seems to be the common thread in burnout, right? Like we, we ignore that little voice in our head, um, and those little symptoms that kind of like, you know, those little fires in the body that just kind of nod us until one day they're like, you can't ignore me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I am shutting you down. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of, you know, that's what happened to me. Right. And I, and I think the catalyst for me was, was motherhood, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that, um, that thing that nobody warns you about that even though you're able to multitask the creation of a human body uh, of a whole new human in your belly without even thinking about it right like you're just breathing and this baby is is growing inside of you um nobody i guess i just really wish i'd known that 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 takes that that baby doesn't come from nothing it 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 comes from you and 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 the nutrients the nutritional building blocks and the the, you know those those building blocks of life that are nourished through the food that we eat right um and so you know after I had kids I realized that you know that just that was it like that that took my remaining reserves and and I just had a I was in a state of decline in terms of my health my physical health my mental health for for a while until I was like okay I've I need to turn this around and I'm sick of medicating my symptoms. I'm I'm going back to school and learning how to do this, you know, how I can nourish myself better. Cause that just seemed like a good place to start in terms of like, you know, how, how, how can my food choices really just help me nourish myself and rebuild myself? Um, Yeah. Replenish myself from a state of the burnout that I was in. I love that. Yeah, I heard a great way of describing kind of nutritional choices is that, you know, if we eat three times a day, we have three times in the day where we can make a decision to nourish our bodies or mm-hmm. you know, deplete our bodies with the foods that we're eating. So I love that empowerment. And I know you practice that and share that with all of your clients and through your blog posts and everything you do. So um, yeah. I really respect that. And I'm wondering, you know, for listeners, what were your little fires or what are the little fires that our listeners can pay attention to before they become smoldering flames? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, I I read this amazing book by Emily Nagoski about, and she, she talks about stress getting stuck in the body. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, my big stress point was like my stomach and my digestion. So even though the stress that I had during the day, you know, in my, in my banking career was what I thought was positive stress. It still impacted me, right? Like it still put my stomach in knots. Um, and it still meant that, you know, I had symptoms like, oh gosh, you know, like I was constipated, um, you know, for days sometimes. And then other times I would just you know, suddenly I would have like diarrhea and I wouldn't know where it came from, you know, or I'd be really, really prone to, um, to getting the stomach flu, right. Or get, or getting like, um, uh, food poisoning, you know, and you and, and I both know now, um, well, I know now you, as a nutritionist, you know, you're kind of schooled in, in the digestive system, but, you know, you know, as a naturopathic physician, this, the stress, that stress impacts our body's ability to digest food. Right. Mm-hmm. And that we're, when we're in stress mode, you know, our, our, 
our body is not producing those digestive enzymes and that stomach acid necessary to break down the food in the, in, in the body. Right. So I'd experienced this like, oh, terrible bloating after lunch and, you know, terrible sort of fatigue where I would just really just almost need a nap after lunch. Cause I was so tired. You know, I wasn't separating. I didn't have enough separation between my work life and my rest and digest life. <laughs> so That's I was really for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I really feel like I really need that intention to separate that time and to really carve out time for my rest and digest and be really intentional about, you know, um, it, reminding my body that, okay, I can come back to my stress, but right now I have to digest, right? So really getting into activating that parasympathetic mode so that I can I can digest my food and not having just sort of sit there and 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 fester and produce like bloating and 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 digestive issues that really just got worse and worse and worse as time went on. Um so that was a big, that was a big one for me. That was a big one for me. And then, you know, I I hope everyone listening is getting regular blood work done. Um, you know, I, I saw the impact on my thyroid too, right? So my thyroid levels weren't optimal. Uh, I know that you optim uh, you work within optimal ranges of, you know, thyroid hormones. Um, and, you know, at the time, uh, yeah, I didn't know what those were, you know. And so looking back on my blood work, I'm like, oh, yeah, that explains why I was, you know, so that's, that explains why I woke up sometimes and I was feeling so tired, you know, and I was so chronically sort of fatigued. Um, so there, there were signs there in terms of just chronic fatigue, chronic bloating, chronic constipation, or just sort of like bowel movements I didn't understand. And yeah, those are the big ones for me. And I just, I just ignored them. I was enjoying what I was doing. I was like, I can't deal with this. I'm going to, you know, just ignore it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that happens, right? We're on survival mode. And then we don't always yeah. link, like you mentioned, you know, the digestive symptoms to stress. A lot of people think, oh, it was something I ate, you know, I'll just yeah. eat something different. And, you mm. know, you could eat the perfectly like the diet that or the food that's not going to cause problems in you. But when you eat them when you're stressed out, then that's going to be mm -hmm. the issue. Like you said, you're not releasing the stomach acid and the enzymes. And I myself have had to really carve out time in my day to have a relaxing lunch because when I first started it was like eat shove it down move on to the yeah. next and I suffered like you from gastritis I had a lot of digestive issues mm -hmm. so it's so key but I know people feel overwhelmed so what are some ways to get into that parasympathetic nervous system when we're trying to just get through the day like what are your favorite strategies to just get in that rest digest mode before a meal yeah I mean my favorite way of um of doing that is using what i call like the 438 breath work technique um and that's simply just you know sitting down in a comfortable position and breathing in through the nose for four counts holding that breath for three and then exhaling through the mouth for eight counts and that breath work i just do it like a few times before, um, before I start to eat like about five or six times. And it's just that switch that I need to kind of get into parasympathetic mode, remind the body that it's not, I'm just, I'm not prioritizing stress all day long, that the stress is there for me to come back to, but right now I'm going to just sit down and eat, um, and, and be intentional about that. And, uh, and yeah, I find that really works to just separate work from eating <laughs> from the time that I'm dedicating to eating, activate that parasympathetic mode and just kind of like, yeah, relax a little bit and enjoy my meal. And it doesn't have to be a long meal. Like normally I eat in like 10, 15 minutes, you know, um, yeah, yeah, that's and you know, five breaths like that, it doesn't take a long time. And it activates that vagus nerve, you know, which connects the brain to our gut. And uh, yeah, really easy to incorporate to incorporate in your day.
Mm-hmm, but so powerful. Yeah, I love that. And it's, you know, recognizing, yeah, the stress isn't going to evaporate. You're not going to be like enlightened yep. in that moment, but you're like, the stress will be there. But right now I'm focusing on my breath. I'm focusing yep. on my food. I'm not on my computer doing work while I'm eating. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those are some great strategies. Uh, what are some other symptoms that you see in your clientele? And what can we do to prevent some of these um, burnout symptoms? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny. I, I work a lot with um, women who are in this kind of perimenopausal age, like, you know, like, well, like I am on 40, 48, turning 49 this year. Um, and, you know, quite often the symptoms that I see in them overlap with these symptoms of burnout. Right. And so it's like, am I in burnout? Is this per or is this perimenopause? Right. So for example, you know, I work a lot with women who struggle to sleep through the night, right? That's a classic symptom of like overwhelm, right? Like overwhelm at work, like you're ruminating, you're going through your to-do list items for work, but it's also a symptom of, you know, women, um, you know, who are in, are in perimenopause, you know, in burnout, there's that high cortisol level and their adrenal system is out of whack, right? So I hear these women say, oh, I can get, I can get to sleep, no problem, but then I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I can't get back to sleep. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, as like a naturopathic physician who specializes in perimenopause, that the hormonal changes that a woman goes through during perimenopause, like the decline in, in progesterone, right? which is, mm-hmm. I, I like to call it, you know, the chillax hormone. Yeah. <laughs> this, <Love that. laughs> this, this hormone drops too, right? And it impacts our sleep quality, right? So there's that. Brain fog, right? That's another classic um, burnout sy- sy- symptom and classic symptom that I see in uh, in the woman that I help, but it's also a classic perimenopausal symptom, Right. There's so many factors that contribute to brain fog when a person is heavily stressed. But a per, from a perimenopausal perspective, we know that that decline in estrogen and those estrogen levels during perimenopause causes a woman to be more insulin resistant, and that as a result, they're more prone or sensitive to blood sugar imbalances, and that these imbalances are a major trigger for brain fog. Um. I also see a lot of chronic fatigue, right? Like that feeling where you can't take like one more thing, you know, like if one more thing falls on my plate, I'm going to lose it. Right. And that's a major symptom of burnout. Right. But it is also something typically reported by women in perimenopause and the woman that I work with. And, oh my gosh, I heard one statistic recently that really just shocked me to my core. I wrote my newsletter about it last week, actually. Um, and it was that women are most likely to turn to suicide between the ages of 45 and 55. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Isn't that awful? Like That is awful. Just awful. And I mean, whilst suicide is, is I mean, it's a, it's a complicated mental health issue and we can't boil it down to, to just one thing. But I do think that there is such a massive lack of understanding for a woman's hormonal changes during perimenopause and how these can combust when mixed with stress at large, right? And so, you know, there isn't just like one symptom that's common to everybody. And sometimes it's really difficult to understand whether or not these are like hormonal symptoms or whether they're like, work-related symptoms, you know, like that, that deal with sort of like professional burnout, but I think, and why I love listening to your podcast um, and why I love, you know, working with you is that we really need more understanding um, about how women's hormones change during this critical time in our life and how these changes can manifest in symptoms and you know that that whole understanding and dialogue is so largely absent from our life 
Um, and we we need to we need to sort of really get a hold of like, okay, what are the hormonal changes that are uh, that are happening in 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 our body at this time? How are these manifesting as you know physical wellness symptoms, mental health symptoms, and what can we do to to really put together a plan that's going to have positive impact on our wellness as a whole? Mm-hmm. Yes. So well said. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head, like with the symptoms are intertwined, right? Because yeah, if you're in perimenopause, and you're not sleeping because of that drop in progesterone, you're getting hot yeah. flashes, you're ruminating, then you're going to be, you know, exhausted. And then you're not going to make the choices that maybe nourish you in the best way, because you need something quick and easy. And you might be sleeping in and scrambling at the last minute, it all kind of feeds and fuels each other, right? The adrenal yeah. issues, the perimenopausal issues, and as our female hormones decline, um, we know that cortisol then becomes more prominent or noticeable, yes. right? So it's, yes. we feel that stress more, we feel that rush, that overwhelm, and then throw in, you know, the women who are going through perimenopause, um, this day and age, many are caring for aging parents and kids, teenagers, young kids. It's like, is is burnout like inevitable in perimenopause? What do you think? Right? Like, I mean, I would say it's not inevitable, but we do have to recognize the likelihood for burnout increases exponentially during this time because of the effects um, that these inevitable hormonal changes are have on women and that this hormonal shift happens at a time where, you know, you rightly said they're, you know, at the top of their career or they're managing a team, they're under pressure, under pressure to action, like, you know, these leadership plans and produce tangible results in terms of like meeting business targets, all this whilst being present and, you know, primary caregivers for their kids, their aging parents, their colleagues at work, you know, so many uh, clients, you know, say like, oh my gosh, you know, like I've got to take care of my team at work and then I have to go home and I've got to take care of my kids. And then my parents call and I got to deal with that. There are just so many, so many pressures that, you know, women during this age, um, you know, 40 to 55, uh, so many pressures that they're dealing with. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not inevitable, but I think the risks do increase during this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's a challenging time. And I like that you said, having a plan in place and recognizing that it can happen. And we can, you know, make shifts and adjustments if it does, but really setting up a plan to hopefully ease through this transition period a little bit easier. Um, before we talk about some supports, mm-hmm. you know, using nutrition and how to kind of prevent burnout with other tools. Um, I was curious, the women in Hong Kong, what was the what is like the pressures like there compared to in, you know, North America? And is there certain, you know, perceptions about menopause? Do they talk about perimenopause? Or were you able to kind of put your finger on the pulse about those topics while you were there? That's, that's a really interesting question. Um, I, um, I, I, I feel that whilst I, I can't speak to sort of the cultural nuances, I think, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not Chinese or Cantonese speaking. And so I don't know from a cultural perspective, uh, you know, how, how, um, how open, people are to talking about menopause. I mean, I think if this, I think if we just use Canada as a, as a benchmark, um, there's not enough education and conversation happening here (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. about, about perimenopause. So I can't imagine it would be too different in, in other cultures, uh, really. um, And, and in other countries, I would say that the pressures are largely the same for women, you know, um, at that age, like between the ages of like 45 and 55, um, you're, you're dealing with, you know, intense work pressure, like the, the days there are very long. Uh, the work days are very long as they are here and, and, and in many other countries, but, you know, Hong Kong definitely has a work hard, play hard mentality. Um, and so, you know, the potential for burnout is, strong for both men and women there just because the, the, the working, the working day is 
so long and you're usually working across sort of time zones so that when your time zone finishes, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're dealing with, you know, you, chances are you're also probably dealing with a team that's in another time zone or something like that. Um, so, so yeah. And I mean, you know, same, you've got like young kids to look after, you've got elderly parents to look after. Um, and so I, I would say that the, the pressures are largely the same, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. the woman here and the woman there. Um, okay. Now the support just might be totally different, you know, and in Hong Kong, uh, there is the potential to have um, more, I guess, support in the home because, you know, you're able to, um, you know, the cost of hiring uh, somebody to to come and help you, you know, manage the household, clean, take care of the kids or take care of your elderly parents, that cost is a lot less um, than it is here, for example. So you're probably able to hire more support. But again, you know, that's for the privileged who who can't afford that, right? Um, so yeah, I, I would say that that's probably, that's probably what I've seen in terms of, you know, burnout. Mm-hmm. Yes, that sounds like really long days, but yeah, potential for more support. So that leads us into tools to prevent burnout. So asking mm-hmm. for help, right, is a big one. <laughs> Taking things off your plate and yeah. not trying to do it all. Like, what are some of the strategies you like to uh, recommend in women in the perimenopausal years so that it doesn't come to um, that experience? extreme end when you know we can barely function we're getting sick a lot we've just lost the enjoyment and the vitality that maybe we were once experiencing yeah I think I think to be honest um the first thing that I that I think we need to do is is be able to identify our risk like just get some perspective right because I think when we're in it it's really difficult to say like, yeah, I'm in burnout or, or not. Right. Like what, what, what do we need to do in order to be able to identify the risk? Right. And there's a, there's something called the Maslach burnout inventory, which is kind of like the gold standard for assessing burnout risk. But I find that it's designed to assess burnout within the context of work, right? Like professional burnout, but with perimenopausal women, like with women in this age group, I find that the level of overwhelm goes well beyond whether they're in professional burnout, right? Like when perimenopausal women are in overwhelm or in burnout, it's not just about like professional burnout. They're in like deep personal burnout as well, right? They're feeling like I need a holiday from my life as a whole, (laughs) right? It's not just work that's burning me out. It's everything. It's like work, my parents that I'm taking care of, my kids, my partner, my body, I'm constantly at war with. It's like everything, right? Um, So I've got these four questions um, that I use uh, as just like a tool to assess where you're at. You know, like, do we have to be concerned here or not, right? And like, you know, how concerned do we, like, do we need to act now? Like, you know, let's just, let's just put a number on this a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, I have these four questions that I use. And the first one is, do you feel chronically tired? Like physically, do you feel chronically tired? Um, and I get them to answer like, you know, yes, regularly, sometimes, rarely and never, right? And we we give them a number. So that's the first question I, I ask. Do you suffer from brain fog? That's the second question I ask. Do you feel emotionally overwhelmed? Like you can't take one more thing. And then the last question is, do you sleep less than seven hours a night? People are going to be and, shocked by that one, I think. <laughs> I yeah. think a lot of our listeners are like, uh, hell yeah, how do I get yeah. uh, more than that <laughs> between the exactly. kids, my bad sleep? Yeah. <laughs> and so if you're answering yes regularly to these symptoms, like, yes, I regularly feel chronically tired. Yes, I regularly suffer from brain fog. Yes, I regularly feel overwhelmed. Yes, I regularly sleep less than seven, seven hours a night. Then there is a situation there that needs to be addressed, right? And whether those symptoms are occurring because you're in perimenopause or you're in professional burnout, I would say that the likelihood that your hormonal 
like perimenopausal changes are amplifying the risk of burnout, right? Like at both a professional and a personal level is pretty high, right? So in terms of prevention, that would be like my first step, right? Understanding like where you are, is this like DEFCON 3? Like, are we in the red zone here or are we in the middle zone? Are we in the green? Like, where are we, right? And then after that, I would say, you know, and and I guess this is my banking background coming in, right? Like that I need data kind of thing. I would say that the next step is going to your doctor and getting a physical done Mm -hmm. as well as like a fasted blood blood panel just to assess like, what does this burnout picture or what does this overwhelm picture look like in terms of like, how is it taking a toll on my body and my levels of inflammation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I think that you can see, you can sometimes see burnout and overwhelm on a blood panel, right? Like I see it come up as high fasting glucose, mm-hmm. high cholesterol, high or low, like TSH, like thyroid stimulating hormone. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes those liver enzymes are high, right? Like C-reactive protein is high. And so understanding how stress is manifesting as inflammation in your body is important because that can give you so much insight into why you may be experiencing certain symptoms, right? And how you can go about addressing them so that you're not constantly feeling down on yourself, so that you're not constantly feeling like you're at war with your body as you navigate like the stressors of your day, right? Because there's so much like, we do ourselves down so much. It's like, oh, I'm tired again. Like, ah, you know, like, what am I doing wrong? Well, maybe there is, you know, if you do a a blood panel, we can get some insight into like, what's going on with your iron levels? What's going on with, you know, your fasting blood sugar? What can we, where are those little fires, you know, and how are they manifesting in your body so that we can kind of put a, a program together that makes sense, you know? Like, I'm sure you hear this a lot, Dr. Lisa, but, you know, I hear, um, I hear this a lot from my clients. Like, oh, by the time I get home, I just feel like my fuse is just like, oh my God, I'm done. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then like, exactly. Like where's that so glass bad. of wine and don't talk to me or else I'm going to Exactly. Stop it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, and then like, and then we guilt ourselves so much. It's like, we feel so bad that we lose our temper with our kids or we, that we don't have enough energy to engage or to like be present with our family. And there's just so much shame that goes along with that. But, you know, inflammation, if inflammation is rampant in your body, then that is going to have a major toll on your ability to be like emotionally available, like not just for others, but also for yourself, right? Like, mm-hmm. If there's this major fire or major little fires going on in your body, then yeah, like that's going to take a toll on emotional availability and, you know, even the capacity we have to put a plan in place for ourselves, right? So understanding how inflammation is showing up in your body can then help you get like the, the, the right team of practitioners to work with, right? Like, do I need a massage or do I need to visit Dr. Lisa to understand like a little bit deeper, like what's going on, right? Like, cause a massage might just help me for like an hour, but like not for the whole week. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, you can also think like, okay, or do I need to, you know, work with a, you know, a personal trainer to change my body mass composition? Do I need to work with a nutritionist to put a plan for like recovery and re-nourishment in place, right? Like what are those building blocks that are really going to make an impact on my recovery and on my physical and mental health that go beyond like a weekend retreat, right? Yeah. We need that team support as well. We need our, our health 
team, right? Yeah, nutritionist, naturopath, you know, some sort of physical therapy, maybe some um, counseling, some therapy. That's right. All uh, make a difference. And I love that you have those questions as getting kind of a baseline and then looking at some blood work and the physical exam. You know, I like to also do blood pressure readings and seeing static um, blood pressure. So when you're lying and then when you stand up, what happens? Even heart rate can be useful. And then, you know, cortisol can be valuable through urine and saliva. But a lot of times through what you're talking about, it's it's glaringly obvious that someone is (laughs) in burnout, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Like if you're waking up a couple times at night and you're struggling to get back to sleep, you can do a cortisol test by all means, but there is definitely a cortisol issue there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that you have kind of a re-nourishing approach. Can you talk about that? Like how can we nourish our bodies to show up in our life professionally, personally, um, during these critical perimenopausal years? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I, I really, I really think that given the hormonal changes which occur during these perimenopausal years, I think one of the most important things that we have to learn how to do is how to eat with the purpose of regulating our blood sugar. And this is important for two reasons. One, regulating blood sugar obviously is is key to ensuring that you maintain a healthy weight right? As you age. And the second reason that I think it's so important is to ensure a healthy brain and just support your brain power, which is so important for women in this age bracket who are juggling a million responsibilities at once. And so I just want to break that down a little bit and, and first just talk about this, the weight, right? Because just going back to your question, you know, how do we nourish our bodies to sort of show up the way we want to be? I just want to be clear that what I'm not, I'm not saying that being skinny is necessary for optimal performance, right? At a professional or personal level, definitely not. Um, But what I am talking about is that maintaining like a healthy body mass index so that you're not carrying around visceral fat around the belly that is pumping up your inflammation levels and getting in the way of, you know, doing what you want to do and need to do, right? Like we want to be, we want to discard as much inflammation as possible. And part of that is having a healthy body mass index. It's not about fitting into our skinny jeans or into our wedding dress or, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) anything like that. It's about having a healthy body mass index. Um, and making sure that we're not burdening our organs with um, excess weight that it doesn't need. And that's just there to kind of pump out inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that once we hit our perimenopausal years and our estrogen levels start to decline, we start to become more insulin resistant, right? And we have a harder time regulating our blood sugar. And this combined with stress results in like, whoa why can't I eat the way I did when I was 30? <laughs> right? Like, why can't I lose the weight? Like doing the same diet and exercise I did, you know, plan I did like 10 years ago when I was trying to lose the baby weight or whatever. Um, and so like, if, you know, if you're listening to this, like listener out there <laughs> and going like, holy smokes, that's me, you know, I've gained weight and I've gained weight, especially around the belly. And I don't understand why. And I can't for the life of me, get rid of it go to your doctor and get a fasting blood panel done, right? And check your blood sugar, right? If your fasting glucose is over five, then taking steps to really like lower that number is going to be important. And from a nourishment point of view, it really means getting very intentional on how you eat, on when you eat and what you eat, right? So really asking yourself, do I need this snack or am I snacking because I'm stressed or I'm bored, right? Mm -hmm. Or because it's like four o'clock and that's what I do, right? Snacking is a major driver of blood sugar dysregulation because the more you snack or the more frequently you eat, you're not really allowing for your body to use up its glucose stores for energy, right? So you're constantly elevating your blood sugar. You're constantly creating an insulin response. And so 
snacking is one of those things that you really need to be conscious of. The other thing that I think is really important from a nourishment point of view is prioritizing protein with every meal, right? Mm -hmm. So women, so many women are just having like toast and coffee for breakfast or like a bagel with avocado for lunch. And that's really putting you at a disservice because you need those B vitamins and the amino acids that you get from protein, like be it animal or plant-based protein doesn't matter, but Mm -hmm. that protein is so important for you to manage your stress levels. Right. And if you're thinking, what does stress have to do with blood sugar? It has everything to do with blood sugar. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I think you can probably explain that better than I can, but you know, like blood, increased blood sugar levels and stress go hand in hand. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I really um, try to get intentional about is like, am I eating six cups of veggies, like at a minimum per day, right? Like you and I know it's meant to be like seven to nine cups, but. (laughs) (laughs) But we can't throw that up right from the start, right? (laughs) Baby steps. Baby steps. But it's so important, you know, especially from like an immunity building perspective, right? And giving your brain and the body those antioxidants it needs and those building blocks it needs to create energy. Um, And one of my like absolute like non-negotiables, like particularly after the age of 40, is adding a fiber supplement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really big on this. I think it's really important for your microbiome and nobody like we do not get enough fiber over the course of the day. Um, So whether it's like an inulin fiber or like flax meal or like an apple a day or like, you know, just an in a fiber supplement really goes a long way to ensure that we're pooping every day and that we're really supporting the quality of that bowel movement because it's not, as you know, it's not important to just poop every day, right? Like the quality of that poop, you know, it's ability to like trap toxins on the way out and really get rid of all the crap that's holding you back, pun intended, (laughs) is super important, right? To have like super good, good quality poops. And I find that a fiber supplement really, really does that together with like drinking enough water, right? Like you need to, I always say like clear pee, clear mind, right? So (laughs) (laughs) need to... (laughs) If you're wondering why you're suffering from brain fog, next time you go for a pee, (laughs) have a look. Yellow or is it clear? If it's yellow, chances are you're finding it difficult to concentrate. Um, Or you just took a B vitamin, but you know. (laughs) Or or you just took your B vitamins, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, by the end of the day, you know, you take your B vitamin early in the day. By the end of the day, it should be clear, right? Exactly. But, you know, the whole brain fog thing is so important because that's like, it's a big symptom, right? Like during Mm -hmm. the perimenopausal years, right? We start to see that breakdown in the brain body connection and we start to experience a lot of brain fog. Like we can't remember certain words. It's like, oh, I've got that at the tip of my tongue or, you know, where have I left my keys again? Um, And that brain fog really impacts our confidence, I find, you know, like if you don't know if you're going to find that word (laughs) or Mm -hmm. if you're not, you know, confident about your memory, then it's it it does have an impact on on confidence levels, um, which, you know, as women, confidence is one of the big things that we sort of name as like a point that we we really struggle with. Right. And of course, if you're not like sleeping well, then this is going to impact your cognitive function for sure. But just going back to blood sugar regulation, you know, what, what's really coming to light now, thanks to books like the XX brain, you know, by Dr. Lisa Moscone and the brain body diet by Dr. Sarah Gottfried. Um, I love these books. And I think, you know, they're sort of compulsory reading for all women in perimenopause, but um, what's really coming to light thanks to thanks to these these women who are writing about this now is that the hormonal changes during perimenopause, namely that drop in estrogen, makes women more insulin resistant and more prone to blood sugar imbalances, which is a major trigger for this brain body, you know, breakdown. And I mean, look, how I understand this, and honestly, please feel free to correct me and add your knowledge. But what I understand is what happens is that the brain uses this one enzyme to do two jobs, right? One job is to process insulin and the other is to clear potential toxins from the brain. 
And the problem is that the brain, that this enzyme can't do both jobs at once. And so if the enzyme is too busy breaking down insulin because our blood sugar is too high, then that enzyme isn't going to be available for like breaking down toxins in our brain. And so what happens is that, you know, the toxins build up and we get this, that sticky amyloid beta, you know, beta bits that accumulate like little toxic seeds or, and then they form deposits that ultimately result, you know, not just brain fog, but that result in kind of like real cognitive impairment and, and dementia and Alzheimer's like later down the line. Um, and I, yeah, I'm sure you've heard that Alzheimer's is now being called type three diabetes. Mm-hmm. So taking the steps, you know, that I mentioned previously in terms of eating in a way where you're really managing your blood sugar is so key because we want that enzyme in the brain to be working on detoxing our brain, right? Like as much as possible, we want it to be doing that, not, not busy with like insulin. So protein with every meal, veggies, fiber, take a fiber supplement, water is so key, but also making sure that you're being super intentional about, you know, your sugar and alcohol intake, right? Like, if you know, if you've got a birthday coming up or a dinner, you know, on the weekend with friends, like be super intentional and choose that as your moment to like have your birthday cake or to have that glass of wine. Like I know for me, particularly in the last, I have felt it more in the last few years. Like I really have to be careful about my alcohol intake, you know, two glasses of wine and I'm not sleeping that night. Um, so that's a, mm, yeah. that's another big one. <laughs> well, definitely. No, I think these are some really good tangible tips and it, you know, it's just um, picking one or two of those and incorporating them can make a huge difference. And then monitoring and getting your blood sugars tested, your levels tested is key as you kind of move forward. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I love that you mentioned the XX brain. I still have to read the Sarah Gottfried's, Gottfried's book, but I love um, that you brought that up because I can't wait for your book club session on that book. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, really excited about that. Mm-hmm, me too. Now I've, I've, I just started doing these book clubs and we're launching it with the XX brain by Dr. Lisa Moscone, just cause um, like I, I just kept getting so many aha moments as I was reading that book. And I love that she just focuses on, you know, why uh, Alzheimer's and dementia is so much more common in women than in men and in, you know, woman led uh, research um, that really kind of helps us really just kind of like get to those evidence based, um, you know, diet and lifestyle uh, choices that can really make an impact for us, right? Instead of like, the population at large. I think there are certain things that, you know, women can do, um, specifically women um, can do to, to really, really help support and protect their brain function. And one of the big key aha moments for me was reading just how important um, managing your blood sugar was and knowing your numbers, like knowing your data in knowing where you're at and keeping track of that on a yearly basis and really understanding what, um, you know, how to eat in order to, to keep your blood sugar levels at a healthy level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that people don't recognize. Yeah, it can be monitored and influenced in positive ways so that we can have, I like, as she talks about like the brain span, right? Kind of like the length yeah. of life where your brain is working at a good level, right? Because I think we all want to be able to enjoy, remember, engage um, throughout, you know, most of our life and not have to go through these mental changes, which just are, you know, devastating, right? On the person themselves as well as their family members so I love all that you're doing Christina is there still like a way like for people is it an ongoing book club that you're doing and what are some things that you're offering right now how can people connect with you yeah oh well um we are I've decided uh, yeah definitely uh, we'll we'll do a book club every two months so the first one's going to happen um in at the end of march uh when we'll talk about the xx brain the next one will be at the end of may and uh we're going to talk about gabor mate's 
most recent book, The Myth of Normal. And that's going to be an interesting one um, because he talks about how trauma is at the root of all disease. Um, And so I really feel like that's an important um, book to cover just because, you know, and, and I feel like, you know, perhaps you get a lot of clients who are who experience gaslighting, right? By, mm-hmm. um, you know, previous doctors, like doctors in the in the in the you know Western allopathic kind of medical uh, profession, where where you know, I think women are largely they go with their symptoms and they're largely sort of misunderstood or gaslit or, you know, of course you're tired, you have kids, and look at your situation. You're, you know, you're you've got work, you've got your parents, you've got kids, of course, you're going to be tired. And so there's a lot of like, there's a lot of women who just don't feel listened to or heard. Um, And that's kind of trauma with a small T. There's also trauma with a big T, but I feel like that'll be an interesting book to sort of just get an understanding of, you know, how is trauma impacting us? And, you know, how do we need to listen to our bodies? Are we gaslighting ourselves? You know, like mm, I gaslit myself yeah. for so many years, right? Not listening to my mm. burnout symptoms, right? So, you know, how how do we move past that and into a and into a situation where we're really tuning into what our bodies are trying to tell us and and how do we how can we make a positive impact on our wellness? Amazing. Yeah, I think people, our listeners are really going to be excited to hear, you know, there's reasons for the way that they're feeling. There's ways to assess where you're at and there's Mm -hmm. solutions and then retracking to see how you're responding to those changes. So that's very empowering. Thank you for sharing all of that, Christina. For sure. (laughs) And now we'll move to the last part of the episode. So we're going to share our super mom moments, our mama mess ups and our mama must have. So I can go first for the super mom moment. And then if you want to go. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we had Stuart's birthday party yesterday. It was a month after his real birthday, just the timing with March break and friends birthday parties, but it ended up being a beautiful day and we had it at Greenwood park. Um, Yeah. Ready to go. Uh, It was a lot of work for the prep, but we showed up to set up and we were locked out of the party room there. The supervisor who was supposed to come didn't come. So we had to improvise and like we had all the stuff set up out, like just set outside. So we had to kind of pull things out of boxes and kind of pull out some games. Eventually they did open the room. So that helped, but we survived having 14 kids around six, seven, eight years old. Um, so we kind of rolled with it. I was exhausted last night. And oh my God, I can imagine. Like <laughs> recovering still, but that's my super mom moment. I know in the end, Stuart had fun and that's all that matters. And I let go For of, sure. you know, the things I thought we had to do. So that'll be my super mom moment. Um, but Christina, what's yours? So I did marriage break on my own this year. Because my husband was traveling for work. Um, And so I I took the week off. And I think I showed my kids a pretty good time, actually. I took them to Pioneer Village. And we went, you know, we did the whole maple syrup um, trail. Nice. (laughs) Um, So that was fun. I hadn't been to Pioneer Village, gosh, since I was like nine years old or something. So that was interesting. We went rock climbing. yeah, we did like a little Canada, um, oh, yeah. a few little bits and pieces, you know, we tried to have like an activity a day, you know, where we were out kind of doing something. Um, we went out for dinner, like we tried a new restaurant on the strip. So it was like, we did, you know, it was, Great. it was cool. Honestly, I, the fun mom. <laughs> I'm giving, I'm giving myself a high five for that. <laughs> you definitely deserve a high 10. <laughs> Great job. And I know we're doing the best we can, but I'm sure we have some mess ups. So I can go first. Um, Mine is pertaining to looking after myself. So I have a bit of plantar fasciitis. I was doing a lot of bar workouts and bare feet. And I think that put me over the edge. And I have not been doing my, you know, strengthening exercises, my calf stretching exercises, my Mm -hmm. massaging 
the, the plantar fascia. So it's getting worse. So it's a reminder, I've got to carve out time for that. I was kind of like, Oh, it's gonna go away. And I'm still exercising and doing things. And I kind of know what makes it worse. But I don't always listen to that. Um, so I need to give some more intention and time and energy to to that recovery. So that's my mess up. But Christina, can you think of a mess up? I'm going to share with you my mess up, but before I do that, I just want to say like, you know, when the universe is trying to send you a message. So you're the fifth woman in this perimenopausal kind of bracket, age bracket that is, that I've heard complain about uh, plantar fasciitis. I've got three clients who have plantar fasciitis and I'm just wondering I feel like you need to do an episode on like perimenopause and plantar fasciitis because honestly, it's a thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look into that because I didn't think about it hormonally. Like I know, you know, if there can be weight changes, that can be a factor. But maybe, yeah, the estrogen levels, like we know, you know, there's a lot of hormone changes that then our ligaments change in pregnancy. So maybe there's something going on with honestly. I would love for somebody to explain like if there is like some kind of, yeah, as you said, a hormonal change that impacts our muscles or ligaments, because I feel like it's a thing, like it's a common Mm -hmm. symptom I'm hearing. But anyway, I just, I'm going to leave that one with you because I think there is definitely something in that. Um, But my mess, my mama mess up moments happen every weekend. Honestly, I feel like the weekends are like, I'm always on the back foot. You know, we wake up late. There's always a meal that's missed. I feel like, oh, I don't know. I just, I never feel like on top of my game. Like never seems to be enough time for anything, right? Like every mm-hmm. Sunday night, it's like, you know, have we cleaned the bathrooms? No. <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh God, okay. When are we gonna have when are we gonna find the time to do that? So yeah, I mean, general massive mama mess up moments on the weekend where I just feel like the weekend goes by, I never managed to accomplish what I want. <laughs> the house mm. is still a mess. <laughs> That's right. No, I totally hear you. I can't wait for the age when like Stuart can do little kind of tidy up jobs, but I can't wait until he can clean the washroom. We've gotten him to try to vacuum, but I usually have to go back and do it again. Uh, Dr. Lisa, my kids, my kids are 12 and 14. They clean their, they clean their job is to clean their bathroom and to clean the kitchen one in the bathroom. And we still don't manage to get that done. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I just don't know where the weekend goes. I need to implement a little bit more of like I don't know, a plan. I need a plan. (laughs) (laughs) I know we go through phases, right? Sometimes we have that structure in place. Sometimes it falls to the wayside, but you're still doing a great job, dirty bathrooms and all. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then what it will share our mama must have. So mine kind of corresponds to the topic of today of getting into that parasympathetic part mm. of the nervous system, even during the day or before bed. And I might've mentioned this a while ago, but I really love the insight timer app. So I just put on mm. a you know 10 minute, eight minute guided meditation. I usually do that in the day when I'm feeling overwhelmed. And then definitely after Stuart's gone to bed to just kind of like reset my nervous system. And there's one called like a mental vacation right now on there. If you search mental vacation, it's like an eight minute one. You do some of the like breathing and holding and then picturing being in a place you feel totally relaxed. So it's usually at the cottage for me lying in the boat as the waves are making the boat go Mm. up and down um, while it's parked at the dock, not, you know, going through a windy. (laughs) So that's my moment. That's a really great reset. And I love, yeah, the breathing exercise you mentioned too. It can be quick and easy. You don't need technology, but getting in that few minutes of rest, even in the day has been so key. Um, And what's your mama must have, Christina? My AirPods. I really like, um, I just, I value them so much. Like they just kind of block out the world for a moment and, um, I, I use them to like, listen to music, um, listen to, I'm really into, uh, audiobooks these days. <laughs> yeah. So I listen to my audiobooks on there. I listen, yeah. Like I like to, I like to use it while I'm making dinner because I normally carve out 
half an hour, you know, to 40 minutes to make, make dinner. Um, and so that's my time, you know, girls know if they need, you know, help with their homework, I'm available to them beforehand, but not, not, not while I'm making dinner during those that 30 minutes, 40 minutes, my time where I'm listening to like my podcast, my music, my audiobook, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, my, my AirPods are, uh, my must have. Oh, great. And I love that you carve out that much time to make dinner and it's like a non-negotiable. So that's definitely another super mom moment. <laughs> um, oh, well, there you go. and thank you so much Christina I really value all the knowledge you share I love what you're doing to educate your clients the public we'll definitely link to all of the information there and then what's the best way for people to follow you or connect with you um well you can sign up to my newsletter I send out a weekly newsletter um and I'll send that link through so you can include it in the in the chat or in the comments. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram um, at Thrive and P Christina. I think it is. <laughs> I'll send you that too. Handle. Okay, perfect. Um, but mostly, you know, through my newsletter. And please feel free to reach out um, to me via email um, or you know even sending me a text. Um, I really love to just speak to people one to one and have a conversation uh, and see if I can help you or not. If I can help you, I'd love that. And if not, chances are I can direct you to somebody who can. Um, Yeah. Great. Well, thank you for that. I'm going to share what um, else is going on. So Dr. Tony's next hypnobirthing session for expecting parents looking to decrease fear and anxiety to support their natural instincts around labor and birth is next month. You can join her at www.hypnobirthingcalgary.com forward slash register. You can sign up for my free webinar, How to Thrive in Perimenopause. And beyond, there'll be one on April 3rd. So I'll put the sign up link there. Um, you can oh, I'm going to that one. Oh, that's amazing. Great. I can't <laughs> wait to get your feedback. Um, I'm excited you're joining. <laughs> and then I do have a Facebook group called Wild Women Adventures Toronto if you want to get out and have fun in nature and connect with other women. Um, and thanks everybody for joining us today. You can email us or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love you to subscribe, leave us a review and a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode. And please tell your perimenopausal mama friends about us too. So stay safe and healthy, everyone. And thanks again, Christina. Thank you, Dr. Lisa.